Praise God. I'd like to turn to our reading this morning, uh, Jeremiah and uh, chapter 39 into 40. And just for a few moments this morning, I'd like us to think about that God honours faithfulness. And Jeremiah is set free because of his faithfulness and his obedience to God. Now the man Jeremiah prophesied over 40 years, that was from 626 to 586 BC. That's just for historians. He was tender in heart. In his calling, if we read it, we'll see how he was touched in a way tender he was that was the kind of person he had a burning commission it was within him it was God's word he had a burning passion and that was for the salvation of his people God's people his ministry then it was fraught with many difficulties when you think and read about them all there was great oppression. It wasn't easy for him to talk about God in his time to his people at that time because the oppression came from the priests. They insulted him. Not only that, the mob, the ordinary people, couldn't care about him. Even his own townsmen, his own people in Anatov where he grew up, a Levitical city. They despised him as well. They'd reneged on what they knew. Even the princes, those in authority, and the king himself was against them. And if that wasn't enough, the whole army was as well. So it doesn't leave much else, does it? What great oppression this man was under. But it didn't deter him because the love of God and the burning passion that he had brought that through. God's message is so important. He was battling against great apostasy. God's people had reneged on their responsibilities. They forgot God. They didn't care about what God had done for them. There was idolatry. They were worshipping idols. They were a sinful people, sadly, devoid of godly principles that let it go. They even threw Jeremiah into a smelly cistern, a pit, and left him to die. Forgot about. But he wasn't, because he bared Melech an Ethiopian. God touched and lifted him out and rescued him. So God was always working on his behalf. He certainly had a lot of difficulties. All because he was faithful. All because he was true to the message that God gave him. And that was for his people Judah. Therefore the message. The message was repent. Change your ways. Turn back from your sinful ways. And submit yourself to God. Give yourself back to God. 
That was his message. And so today we know that just like God's people, it's just the same. Outward service to God, they had a semblance of that, that they were going through the motions of religion, but there was no sincerity there. It's quite true of today, and for us, I hope not, but a lot of people are. Outward service to God is useless unless there is a real change of heart and mind. In other words, it's a lifestyle towards God, and that's what's required today. His message then required as an individual fellowship with God. That was what he was talking about. We need, they needed a personal relationship with the living God. That's the only thing that would work. Now, for if we follow our reading and we see what was read, judgment was at the door. That's the result of apostasy. That's the result of turning your back upon God. There will be judgment. A price would be paid for that. And God uses, of all people, with that fantastic name, Stancy, and <laughs> that took some reading. Uh, God uses the Babylonians to destroy Jerusalem. God's people. If you read the book of Habakkuk, this blew his mind. You know why? As a prophet of God, he could not understand how an idolatrous, sinful nation like the Babylonians, who were the worst offenders of all, could punish God's people. Couldn't. But we know why. They were idolatrous themselves. God forbid that we should ever find ourselves in a position like that, away from God. So the message for today is this. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And that's our nation today, sadly. We're reneging, we've turned our back on God. We need to turn back to God. It's the same for the individual as it is for the nation. It's the same for everyone. And that's what's required. Then, who will declare the truth? The good news of salvation. As I've said, the church today is failing in its responsibilities. The real need of all believers is to intercede on behalf of the nation. That's what we're called to do. As Jeremiah preached to his people to repent, so are we called to tell people to turn back to God. It's the only answer and the way out. Now the Babylonians are described as fierce. And how do we know that? Well, I'll tell you this. There was a group of people called the Rechabites from Rechab. Go way back to the time of Jehu. But what happened was... These were godly people, abstainers from alcohol or any strong drink. And they lived separate from anybody else. But the Babylonians were so fierce, it even frightened them. And they arrived into Jerusalem. And this gave Jeremiah a message. 
from God as he saw these people. Here was righteous people amongst his own. That's how bad the Babylonians really were. They could drive a godly people out of a situation that even the Assyrians hadn't done previously. They were described then as fast as eagles. They were as ravenous as wolves. No more than their king, Nebuchadnezzar. A very proud and arrogant, ungodly, idolatrous man who was ruler of the Mortar Empire at that time, over all. But I want us to think, we see something remarkable here. In chapter 39 and verse 11, it says this, Babylon, uh, Jerusalem was about to fall, and it did. But Nebuchadnezzar wasn't at Jerusalem, he was at a place called Ribla, distributing uh, judgment and justice to the rest of the people. So what happened, he sent a message by the captain of the guard, and I'm not going to say Nebuchadnezzar, but that's who we want. <laughs> the, the message for Jeremiah. So he was mindful, although not there, of Jeremiah in his position. Now he has a very remarkable thing, because this is what he said. Take care of Jeremiah. Why should this man say this about Jeremiah? when nobody cared. But here's a man who you wouldn't think, yet, yet he did. So we've got to consider why. The clue, I believe, is in chapter 40, in verse 2. And it's what was said concerning the result of the judgment. The Lord your God has done this. You see, Jeremiah was under divine protection. He became under the protection of the king. But God was working overall to protect him. When God works on our behalf, when God does a work, nothing, no one can hinder it. They can try it, they can try and stop it, but it will not work. If God is doing it, it will have its purpose and be fulfilled. So if we are in it, go with it. If God's give us a message, do it. If God's give us something, don't resist it. Just go with God. And you see, even the ungodly, which were read, recognised this because it was their sinful ways. And that's what the captain of the God had said, didn't he, when in our reading. It's because you've done this that God's brought judgment upon you. And sometimes even the ungodly take notice and that's what they have to do. And sometimes those who don't seem to care about God, care for God's people. Because God touches hearts, God touches lives, God makes the difference. If he can do that with ungodly people, what can he do with me? What can he do with you? What can he do with us as we serve him to consider? So today many sadly hear the word, yet don't believe it. But remember, God honours those who honour him, who honour him, God will honour them. Just like Jeremiah, God will raise up those that will serve him.
persecuted by his own people, we've seen it, but yet now under protection from the king. To those in Jerusalem then, he was branded a traitor. Why? Because he was telling them, submit yourself to the Babylonians. Why? God's going to bring judgment upon this place. You cannot fight against God. Just go with it. Just do what God has said. Now here's an interesting thing. To them he was a traitor because they're saying, oh, we're not going to submit, we're going to fight it. Now the Babylonians, to them, life would have been much easier, wouldn't it? They wouldn't have even have to lose men and bring the end of the people. But you see, there is a change. And the change is this, that while they were taken into captivity, which they were, which was the result of the judgment and the fall of Jerusalem, it might not have been the total destruction that resulted. It might have been averted. We know it wasn't. But who would know if the people had submitted what the outcome would be? And so here's something we've got to consider very carefully. Think, think what God wants us to be and do. And then give yourself to that when we have that assurance. Now Nebuchadnezzar is gracious to Jeremiah because like I said in touching on the king, God is moving in a remarkable way as only he can upon this man, Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody could touch him in the natural. No other person could do anything. He was arrogant. No one could tell him anything. There's only one person, God. And in a remarkable way, if we look at the book of Daniel, and if you want to follow this through to its conclusion, we see there his future conversion. Because when he stood up and looked at Babylon and said, this great Babylon in pride, which I have built. <coughs> no, he didn't. The only reason he had that was because God gave him it. Judgment fell upon him and for seven years he was like an animal. He lived like an animal for seven years. Humiliated? No. When he came out of it, this is what the word says, he looked up to heaven and acknowledged that there was a God. He acknowledged the true and living God. After all of that, God brought him down, but God raised him up. You see, this is the whole purpose. God is working in circumstances. Now, sometimes we mightn't understand it. Sometimes there might be things that are beyond us, that seem to be, but not with God, not in God. While we trust in Him, He's working out for us His purposes. He's actually working in our lives the things that will please Him, if we please Him. And that's the important thing. It's a remarkable thing. And so from Ribla, what does he do? He sends to his chief captain, to the chief man, a message. And we'll read it, Ian read it, chapter 39, verse 2. And I'm using this. I'm using the authorised version for a very important reason. Because it's just one word. And the authorised version says this. This is what he said. Carry him home. Now, 
when you think about that, you said take care of him, do him no harm, um, in 13, four princes of Babylon were added to take him out of prison to the new governor. But the message primarily was this, carry him home. Now think about that. And you know, when I was little, and there was a time actually, <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> when I was, uh, and my dad used to take me, take us for walks in the countryside. And I would get tired and my little legs wouldn't carry me very far but he would lift me up and his big legs carried me home because there come a time when I'd gone too far but my dad was there with me to bring me home and God is exactly the same he'll lift us up underneath of the everlasting arms that's his word he'll carry us home and I love that word yes we can use other words and other translations do that but to me the thought was carried home now that they are the hands of protection they are the hands you trust why because it's your dad you know you can trust them and take this in a wider sense to the king and to god himself were in his hands so chapter 40 verse 4 then is a picture of salvation why because look at this this is encouraging this is exciting what does the captain of the god say to jeremiah i loose you this day notice that i mean yes out of prison they got him out but he was in chains he was ready to go to babylon he was ready to be deported he was ready to be taken away and he was in chains but the message came through hey the man the top man has sent word you cannot argue with the top man not at all and so he says look i lose you this day he was obedient to the call and he set him free now what a picture of salvation that is isn't it we are bound by we were bound by sin the chains of sin held us but jesus christ our savior died upon the cross and set us free he broke the chains when he died to set us free and give us the liberty uh, to know him we were born in sin it says was shaping in iniquity that was the way we were it was impending death and doom in sin similar to jeremiah in chains but you see he was loosed and so are we because jesus in his sacrificial death set us free when we believe and receive salvation from him chains removed and add to this something else chains removed with a freedom to choose not only did the captain of the god loose his chains but he gave him a choice so have we yes salvation is of god we choose him but we've got to go on we don't stay there we've chosen him we let him choose for us the way he wants us to go and we go that way because it's the way in which he said so the choice is the Lord himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we choose Jesus and live. Now he, he said this, the captain of the God. First, come. Give him a choice. Come with me, he said. I will look after you. Of course he would. He was a top man himself. Jeremiah would have been fine in Babylon. He would have been taken care of. But think about it. 
He was God's man. You see, the captain of the God said, I look after you. But while kindness is offered, Babylon is the place of idolatry. It's not really the place you want to be. Jeremiah didn't want to be in Babylon. There was idolatrous as his own people. He wanted to be free where he was. And so you see, what we've got to think about this is, fellowship with the world. We're in the world, we're not of it. We are helpful in the world, and we will be. But with the world, if we go back, we will only bring us back, sorry, this will only bring us back into bondage. It will. We've been set free from bondage. We don't look back. We'll go on. We'll go on with God. You see, a complete break is required. The old life is gone, buried, dead. Sin is gone. The new life in Christ has come. And that's what's required. Now also that was come with me and I'll look after you. But here's the other one. He said, go. If you don't want to come, go. He says, look. He says, go the whole land is before you. In other words, find the best place you want to go. Think of us. Find the best fellowship. Find the best fellowship for our spiritual benefit and development. Find the right church. When we've found the right place we want to be and we feel it's right, what's required now? And this is missing sadly and it's vital. And if I want to say anything this morning and I want something to stay, I want this to remain with us. Forget everything, remember this. What's required is stickability. Stick at it. Keep on, keep going, keep on. Be supportive, be there, especially to the pastor, the man of God, the leader of the church. Help each other, help him, support, be there. That's what's missing, stickability. People will not stick. They seem to go from one to the other. We need to be where God wants us to be. You see, verse five, there's something else. Consider this. He said, he made a recommendation. He made a recommendation of Gedaliah, who was appointed governor by the king. Notice, by the king. He was appointed. He was chosen. He was the one that the king had said. He was the man to be with. He was the king's choice. And there's safety there. That's, there is the safety there with the king. And with the king of kings, our lord and saviour, how safe can we ever be? The one that can be trusted. You see, you can trust Gedaliah is the king's choice. If you don't want to come with me, if you don't want to go anywhere else, go with him. Go with the man that God's chosen, the king's choice. So in conclusion, when we have found, sorry, when we have found the right place, when we have made the right choice, when we are in the church that is right for us, when we're under the ministry, the man, the pastor, who God's appointed and chosen as our leader, when we are in this position, then throw your lot 
everything you've got with the ministry God has given to you into it. For God has given each one of us a ministry. We cannot see there is nothing that I can do. There is something we can all do. God has given it. God has given us this place. And then this. If your present church is this, it's right. Then seek God to fully enhance your ministry. 